Welcome, everybody. We are live Monday night, back after a win against the Eagles. Nice to get another four points in the bank to help cement our, our spot in the eight, although we could have done it you know, a little bit nicer, could have maybe got a bit more percentage, but the four points at the end of the day, fellas, was all that actually really mattered uh, ultimately, so that was good to get that over the line. So, EJ, welcome back, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well, and looking forward to tonight's proceedings. Plenty to talk about. Yeah, plenty to talk about. Obviously, a few things in the news with the, the Tigers about Dusty and Vlosten now as well. So we'll definitely cover them off. And uh, some of our boys really played um, some amazing football, Grok, didn't they? We'll get to them soon. But um, how have you been? Yeah, I've, I've been good. Yeah, it's always always good to come back after a win. I know the Geelong game sort of rubbed people the wrong way, but it's always nice to come back with four points secured. And uh, you were very touch and go. with the, <laughs> You've had some medication wear off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I had a root canal done this morning. So it was a bit of an emergency thing where I was supposed to have it done last last week. But um, with sort of end of year reports with NDIS, given the end of financial year, just been swamped with work. So I haven't been able to get down. So thankfully, today was my day off at work. So I managed to finally get in. But yeah, up until about half an hour ago, I was like a drooly mess and like couldn't feel my face or anything. So thankfully, it wore That's off. That's on a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome to everyone in chat as well. Thank you for, for stopping in. Uh, and we have a, a, another guest in the bottom left corner, uh, Marlon's number one fan, F off Tig 71. Who might that be? Hello, He's my back. <laughs> He's back. He's back. <laughs> the dead has risen. Tig's almost got a bloodbath, I tell you what. He almost got a bloodbath claiming Marlon Pickett when we know for fact that uh, I claimed him first. <laughs> well, it was rightly pointed out to him on Twitter that he, he did try and get him dropped for about a month, uh, despite our best efforts to talk him out of it. So uh, we, we were well and truly across Pickett before Tiggs was. He's come around eventually. Same as Camden McIntosh. He was off him too. We, we just don't like people rewriting history, that's all. we just got to clarify that. <laughs> anyway, um, hello. A special little one-off little trip here to come back into the old neighbourhood and see how uh, everybody's holding up. Yeah, all, all going well, all going well. This is a good point, Grok, from Darren. Grok, can you afford the power for the computer after the cost of a root canal? <laughs> Thankfully, given that um, I've worked so much from home, I was still eligible for, for JobSeeker. So I've still got a um, healthcare card, which managed to lower the cost to actually 30 bucks. So I am laughing right now. Oh, Wow! So yeah, so so lucky, so lucky. Yeah, thirty bucks. So yeah, I am wrapped with that. Otherwise, yeah, they they sent me an invoice like this is what it was going to cost you and everything with the breakdown, and it was thirteen hundred bucks. So I got out of it extremely well. That's the beauty of living in Australia, isn't it? The beauty of being an Australian. Yes, exactly exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, CB from Nathan, are you in love with the game again? Still shits me to tears, and I'm really only watching Richmond. <laughs> the only time I'm watching another game or following it remotely is when um, EJ and I have got some money on the line. <laughs> That's about as close <laughs> as I get. Just nah, it's look honestly, I'm this year's been very very hard, and um, I cannot stand what the current administration has done to our great game. I just legit um, Sydney was the tipping point, and um, I know they've softened their stance on dissent and that, but. The damage was done well and truly. They're floating fixture. Stick that up your ass. I mean, I'm 
pissing money away for nothing I can't, for a game I can't get to. So, um, yeah, nah, I can't wait. The, the sooner Gil McLaughlin goes and hopefully Brendan Gale or someone takes over, the better. It's hilarious that Gil thinks that the state of the game is a better spectacle now than when he took over. Hilarious. Surrounded by yes men, mate. Surrounded yeah. by yes men. They all drink their own bath water. And at grass, I, I promise you at grassroots, the game is in serious trouble. Serious, serious trouble. But, hey, we'll talk about the high-end shit, but the actual stuff that produces future footballers, massive strife. Mate, the game is in serious, serious trouble at grassroots if you're still getting a kick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just a, quick, just a quick flyby. Welcome back. I, I would like to say that when I play football, it's more of a tribute to the game rather than actually playing it. So, yeah. And Kano, I'm doing my best here, mate. I know the hair's yeah. not how it's meant to be, but this is the second show I've not used a headset and the second show that I've copped feedback. So maybe maybe the headset's been hiding it this whole seven years. So. Maybe you should go full tism and just put a mask on. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah, couldn't be any worse, could it? All right, well, uh, we'll get stuck into Before we go into talking about the game, make sure wherever you're watching, give us a like, a love heart, a retweet, a share, whatever you've got to do to help get to help get the uh, the stream out there for everyone to see, or the Tiger Army out there. We'll get stuck into the game, lads. So Richmond, 20 goals, 8-128, defeated West Coast, 13-15-93 by 35 points. Probably should have been more, but, you know, we'll take the four points. Uh, goal kickers we had, Rewalt with three, Baker with two, Bolton two, Edwards two, Lynch two, McIntosh two, Pickett two, Castagna, Gibkiss, Dusty, Morris Rioli, and Daniel Rioli, all with one each. Uh, so a pretty good spread there, actually, and nice to see some accuracy on the goal-kicking front for once, EJ. What did you make of the game? Um, Top-line general thoughts first. Uh, I think that don't discount two things. The West Coast Eagles are a much better side than a lot of people are giving them credit for now, especially after the return of Nick Nat, the dominance in the centre square from his ruck work was scary. Also, don't discount how much last week took out of us. Um, so all things considered, I think, yes, we probably should have won by more, but I think the game was okay. Look, there's plenty of areas we, we're going to talk about and we can clean up, given, right? But on the positive side... It looked to me like we were working a lot on the movement of the ball at the expense of a lot of other things, and putting 130 points plus on the board is a testament to that. So others can have a, a bit of a chat, and then I'm sure, as I said, there's going to be points raised about stuff, and, yeah, we'll get to it then. So we're not laughing at you. We're laughing at this, Menzo, I think, CV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I love our crowd. I love our audience. Yeah. It's, it's, brutal. It's, a, it's a good point you make, EJ, about Nick Nat. And what was scary from a, a competition standpoint is he was sort of really rusty as well, to be fair. He'd been out for a little bit. Um, but we always knew that he was going to have the pure height advantage on Nank. But he was just giving them you know, good ball use. And he, he pretty much got him back into the game with their, their good clears. But Tim Kelly played a good game for him as well on the end of some good uh, Nick Nat ruck work. And he's been pretty shit out the last few weeks from all reports. So, um, yeah, look, they have, they have improved Grok. But, you know, what did you make of the game? I thought it was a bit of a tale of, of sort of two halves. And there's a couple of stats where I think both coaches are going to be happy with going into their review. Obviously, 
West Coast, as you guys have mentioned, they're a lot better now that they've got that that they're starting to get those players back. You know, they're getting Duggan back, they're getting Nick Nat. They had Yo for the for a half, and they, they look so much better now. And I think with Kennedy coming in, I reckon they'll they'll get a couple of more wins this season. So I don't think it's all necessarily as bad as the media have been making them out. I mean, the circumstances that they've been under have been completely horrendous this year. Some of it their own making, some of it not. But, yeah, I think... So the one stat that I think West Coast will definitely be happy with was was the clearance work. Obviously, they smashed us in clearances 32 to 44. Nick, Nat and Yo through the midfield are two massive contributors and Tim Kelly having that massive game, 40 disposals. And I think he had 10 clearances halfway through the third quarter as well, which was just a massive game for him. And that that's West Coast to a T. When they're winning the ball in the midfield, they look as good as anyone. And I think... That, that showed in the game when they were pressing us, when they were pressuring us, it's when they were smashing us and getting the ball out of the midfield. Like we just couldn't stop that forward transition from that centre clearance. And I think that's definitely something Dimmer's going to highlight this week is our defensive transition and our defensive setups at stoppages because they absolutely murdered us at that. The one stat that Dimmer will definitely be raising that shows how we're playing and getting better at is the, the bounces was 25 to 4 25. which shows that our 25 to 4 which shows that we're getting our run running game back up from half back and i think that was evident with Pickett, McIntosh and and Dan Rioli in particular those three running the lines patrolling that wing that really set us up for the game and it helps when we're kicking accurately you know 20 20 goals 8 is a is a pretty decent score and we're now the second highest scoring side in the league i think behind Brisbane in terms of points for but it's also our efficiency, 53% scoring efficiency. So we're scoring once every two inside 50s, which makes a massive difference as opposed to the game against was it Port Adelaide where we had the 76. Like, but if we can convert, that's a massive, massive score. And I believe the, the league average for inside 50 efficiency is 45%. So going above that with our forward line was was a pretty solid result. So I think it was sort of a game where both coaches will take a lot of positives out of it. And just I think, Dimmer, there's just a few tweaks with defensive positioning around stoppages. And CB, was it a bit of Tigers of old for you kind of thing with the way they started playing again? Firstly, I just want to big, big shout out to Jason Valentine. I love you, brother. And uh, I'll see you soon enough. And <laughs> um, Darren Payne beat me to it about West Coast. Now, I'm not promoting gambling, but... West Coast at three dollars eight, Carlton one thirty eight. Played over there, I reckon. Uh, West Coast for the win with ten Ke- Tim Kelly, maybe twenty twenty five plus plus an anytime goal scorer. That could be a nice little same game multi for anyone to make free money. Okay, um, but I do think West Coast are a massive chance over there. Um, what sort of just general overview? Um, when was the last time you saw Richmond score 130 points? And I reckon it was a very, very aggressive, offensive game. And I wouldn't be surprised if we did cost ourselves defensively, but I think we were really working hard on the offense, um, trying to get that right. And um, like I said, at the end of the day, mate, when your team kicks 130 points, you're not going to lose too many games. So um, for me, while we did do some horrendous turnovers, um, the, the fact of the matter was we turned it over taking the game on. They weren't defensively defensive-minded turnovers. 
So um, from my point of view, if there's anything such as a good turnover, uh, if you look at Graham getting caught three times, taking the game on, if you look at um, young Gibkes turning it over a couple of times that costs a couple of goals, you wouldn't want to change anything. You want that mindset. So um, for me, it was, a, it was a very, very good win against a very credible opposition. Uh, yeah, good point you make there about the mistakes being made. If they're aggressive, no issues with it. And as Lucas just mentioned, round seven was the last time when we beat West Coast. All right, Lucas. How many times <laughs> have we kicked in 130 points in the last freaking decade? <laughs> Apart from the grand final in 2019. Good on you, yeah, against G- I think it's three times against GWS in the decade, but still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, what, one of the talking points, I suppose, has come out of the game, and it's got merit to it, uh, was our lack of ability to stick tackles, probably more so early on in the game. There was a few times Eagles plays kind of just ran through three or four Richmond plays that were just stagnant or broke through tackles, which, you know, in, resulted in a, in a forward thrust. So we had 41 tackles for the match. Uh, I think our average is 49.1, so below average. But is there anything to read into the missed tackles, EJ? Is it missed opportunity? Is it, does it then turn into perceived pressure down the ground? Is it something we need to address? Oh, I certainly think we need to address it, but... Let's also look at the fact that West Coast had 33 tackles. So it was just, it was a bit of a, it was a bit shootout of the game and it sort of lent itself to um, low numbers. Am I thrilled about it? Not really, but I, I would say that over the last few weeks, our pressure numbers have been pretty good. So overall, it's not an area of massive concern. I, I, I agree. Like, I think we also need to look at the personnel as well. Like, th- especially through the midfield, you've got, you had Yo, you had Shuey, you had Callie. They're all big framed, you know, harder bodies. Whereas, you know, our midfield, we've got young, we've got Jack Ross, we've got Jack Graham, who, okay, Graham, fair enough now, he's played seven years of football, but, you know, Ross is still getting used to it. They're still inexperienced, so it's. I wasn't surprised with that, and it also comes down to, especially in the centre, Nick Nat's rut work, putting it in the positions where our our, our midfielders were sort of um, flat-footed and and couldn't really get that that sort of stance to to really nail that tackle. So again, I, I don't think it's necessarily a a bad thing. Um, it's something that they'll work on, but we never really. Um, like our broken tackles don't really bother us because we do set up so defense so well defensively down the line. So it's yes, if we can do it, it's better. But it's not the end of the world if we don't. One of I the oh sorry, go EJ. Oh, I'm gonna stop reading the comments while someone else is talking. <laughs> I'm crying. And I apologize and I apologize for that grog because I agree with the point you were making. Oh, okay. I'm just talking about um, juicing up the over, showing, over yeah. the biceps. I just lost it. Anyway, sorry, Michael, go ahead. No, I threatened Michael so I would flex the guns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, knew you'd, I knew you'd follow through with that thread as well. Uh, one, one of the big downfalls in the game, I think, was Dusty going off uh, with that hamstring awareness injury, whatever we want to call it. I think he's missing next week. It's already been reported. But Jesus, how good was his first half? That that was the Dusty of old. That was the Dusty who looked to be enjoying himself again. And it kind of felt like the guy, the other players were trying to really get him involved with chains of play early on. But 
he had his kicking boots on. He had his aggression on. He he was in the zone, EJ. Those two kicks to Bolton of differing types were they. I, I was I was hating a lot of the game. I was, but a couple of those things were just unreal. Three hundred and fifty nine meters. It's really it is hard to concentrate. Three hundred and fifty nine meters. Know, 359 metres gained at 76%, 17 disposals in half a game of footy, eight score involvements. That was off the charts. He was heading that, – that was the Dusty of old. That was really exciting. Uh, I think he'll miss two weeks. Um, I think they won't risk him against North either. Quite and safe. Come, back, come back for the game against Frio at Marvel, I think. Do we got Frio after North? Yes. Yeah, that, I reckon he'll come back in that game. Which is yeah, bullshit because, right. again, you know, Marvel Stadium's an away game for us. We've made that yeah. very clear. Yeah. And to Sam McClure saying that he's going to leave, he's just, you know, regurgitating shit again. So, yeah. Don't need to go down that path. Uh, yeah, Dan yeah. Rioligrock, we, we had some uh, messages about him today. I'm sure a lot of Richmond people did with the, the game that he had and the turnaround in his career and his form has been outstanding. But, his run and dash on the weekend against West Coast was elite. Uh, and it's not only how quick he's moving, it's the timing of his runs and how damaging he becomes by the timing of the, the run and the space he gets into and the delivery of the ball. Absolutely. His his movement off halfback is absolutely elite. Like his running patterns and his ability to know when his opponent's not going to be a threat to the play and, and run forward is just fantastic. And... He, his game on the weekend was absolutely brilliant. I, I think he, I was a little disappointed he missed that second goal because I feel like yeah. if he had a nailed that one, he definitely would have been best on ground. Yeah. But there's another bloke in the team that I think is going to challenge him for that. But in regards to Rioli, right now I'd say he's the most damaging halfback in the league. Like he is the one that you absolutely need to put a man on. Because it's it's Rioli's kicking, it's his vision, it's his creativity with the ball in hand and his offensive run that causes a lot of damage. And, you know, we do have a couple of others at half back, but Rioli is the one that's setting up the play. He's the one doing the damage. And he's the one that's getting forward and kicking goals if you're not on him at all times. And I think that's the biggest danger as well. So, yeah, he's having an absolute ripper season. And I know that... Doherty and, and Sinclair and everything are having fantastic seasons. But I, in, in terms of overall impact on games per possession, I reckon Rioli is probably the best of the lot right now. Like if I was taking a halfback in the league right now, I would be putting Rioli at halfback in, in the All-Australian team. It's just what? my opinion. I know there's quite a few people that are that would disagree with that. But if we're going for a player that can defend, that can harass that can set a game up and can impact the scoreboard. Rioli, number one, by mile. I disagree, Grok. There's an all-Australian halfback flanker at Port Adelaide that uh, took the chockies <laughs> one year. Darcy Van Jones. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, can I just say, the three things that will prove that the AFL is still bullshit by the end of the year. Gibkus won't get an, uh, a nomination for Rising Star. Marlon Pickett won't get in the all-Australian squad. And neither will Dan Rioli. And all those th three things should happen. Marlon Pickett, if he's not on the wing in the All-Australian team, like fair income, you know it's bullshit because 
He yeah. is elite at the moment with what he's producing and the way he's performing. And I tell you what, as an interesting conversation point, has there been a better mid-season pick than Marlon Pickett ever? Not the not the jumps to mind, no. And the strings he's added to his game, like his intercept marking confidence right now and execution of it is on another level, EJ. It is through the roof. The the grabs he takes on the size opponents that he's on at different times, um, he is unbelievable. He's having he would be close to leading our best and fairest. Oh. If he didn't miss those games earlier on, he probably would have been winning it. Yeah. And the absolute and this is something I was probably a bit of a knock on him a year or two back, the absolute disregard for his own safety when going back with the flight with for these marks. You know, he, he is – and he's hurting people. He absolutely, who did he absolutely flatten on the weekend? That was amazing. I know. He oh, smashes blokes every week and it's delightful. I think, I think it was, I think it was Redden. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, just amazing. And, I mean – we talk about all those sort of things. We haven't talked about the fact that he had 10 contested possessions, eight intercepts, you know, um, uh, 19 pressure acts. He's not He's not. A, He's not. not doing it one-dimensionally. He's helping us in all aspects of the game. Yeah. Like when I mentioned with the Rioli, there was another bloke pressing for best on ground. Pickett was the mm. one. I reckon Pickett was the one that, that really was easily best on ground for us. Like the way that he set us up defensively behind the ball with his intercepts and then going forward, you know, kicking those two goals were massive. And and I think that, that like our, our wingmen had pretty good games as well. I think McIntosh had a very solid game as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, like with um, Pickett, it depends who you ask. Like Hawk fans at the moment are all jizzing over Jai Newcomb. But again, like yeah, like he'll he'll be a good player. But right now, I'd still I reckon Pickett's probably the best of the lot. But the thing is, like Pickett, the bloke is still only played what thirty odd games. I imagine if we fiftieth soon. Oh yeah, imagine if we got him five years earlier. Like it's just scary to think if he's this good now, coming in as a mature age, still getting used to AFL football. What he would have been like if he had been drafted. It's just well, a scary thought. And I think he's still oh, got no. a lot of improvement left in him. How much longer can he keep playing, do you think? Like, he obviously hasn't gone through the rigours of a pre-season and all the contact that goes with it um, season after season after season. So is there a, realistically a chance he goes another three three years? Or is that is it a year-to-year prospect? He's durable. One, we talked yeah. about this today, didn't we, Tiger? <laughs> 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 yeah. I should have gone magpie 71. We, we actually did talk about this very, very topic today in the car. And um, I reckon he's a, he seems a very durable player and he hasn't had the knocks in the body of most. Um, I think this guy could go on for another two, three years for sure. I, I reckon with his, with the strengths that he, he has, his kicking, his aggression, his overhead marking, I reckon he can probably play five if he's not playing that wingman. I could see him transitioning into sort of like a half forward, sort of forward pocket, you know, third tall marking type. I really think, you know, he can, he can do that. So, yeah, I reckon 2027, I reckon. As, so as, actually, two, as two people have said, he's got three boys. We've got to get him to 100 games. Get him there. Interesting. What was it? Do you reckon he made a statement when he grabbed his jump when he kicked that goal on the weekend? 
Yeah, yeah. it was interesting, Just wasn't a, it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's his that. 50th game this week, so he's halfway there. And the other bloke who's got a milestone this week is Brody, 100 games. Yeah, he, to me, is a little bit... I know we all like him, we all rate him here, but I still feel like he's a bit of an unsung hero these last few weeks, especially with a largely new-looking back line with the ins and outs we've got going on. 11 marks, um, when you have 25 disposals, he's just turning into a bit of a general down there. It, his communication, his confidence, um, yeah, it, you can't not love him. He had the most metres gained for us. And, uh, you know, with that 25 disposals, at 88% efficiency as well. He was huge on the weekend. You almost, and you almost didn't see him, but he was huge. Yeah. And the thing that surprises me is that it's only his 100th game, like, coming up. Like, he just seems like that type of player that's been around long enough, like that 200-game player. And I think that just that lends to the fact that he is so underrated and so unsung outside of, outside of the club. Like, for me, I thought, you know, he's probably played 150, but, you know, 100 games is surprising to me, and it just goes to show even as supporters, we tend to underrate him a little bit. But his game on the weekend was absolutely fantastic, like absolutely towelled up. Um, Darling, when he got shifted onto him after Gibkiss had a pretty ordinary, you know, quarter on him and, yeah, blanketed darling after that so yeah he was the one that i i had in my votes as well broad i think he had a very very underrated game and keep in mind too if it ever got discussed in the show the last couple of weeks he's triggered a clause in his um contract so we've got him for yep. another year as well so absolutely the other player i want to get everyone's thoughts on was the return of castagna i know he's a polarizing figure within the club um yeah <laughs> the, uh, i'll keen all the comments come through as well uh, EJ, we'll go around the room. EJ, oh, start with... Oh, you can I lead off on this one? CB, okay, yeah, go. Because, again, it's like, it's like our car was bugged. Because this conversation came up as well. And the best way that we could come up with, with Castagna's game and how to rate it was if you compared the player that he replaced. And the reality is, last week, Judson Clark had a four-disposal game for one goal. And um, I've got no... I'm just going off my memory here. Uh, whereas this weekend, Castagna had a 14-possession game, Four, EJ. And 14, I think his disposal yep. went at 74%. 64. 64. Tackle pressure. He, look, he's had worse games than what he produced. I thought for what he put in, he was quite serviceable. Um, gave us more than what Judson Clark would have um, given us at this stage. Crop. Judson Clark... Oh, sorry, right, Gabe, AJ, you go. There you go. You go. Uh, go, EJ. Um, Judson Clark is a player for the future. There's no doubt. I think we all really like what he brings. We, if we can, want to run the table to get the double chance. We need a player for the now. I think most of us would agree that Castagna, his ceiling is a lot, lot lower than what Clark's is going to be, and. Over time, Clark is the man, no doubt at all. I just think for the next few weeks, especially with the other injuries to players we've got, we just need the senior hard body who knows the running patterns and even if he doesn't get a stack of it, we'll do the right thing. He'll he Like our wingers, our wingers might not be the best two wingers in the comp, but they are so bloody predictable because they do the same things every week. They do exactly what they're told. They go to where they're supposed to go. For all his faults, Castagna does that. For the next two to three weeks, that's why he stays. 
I mean, speak for yourself. Pickett is the best wingman in the comp right now. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But with Castagna, I think if we're getting our running game up, he stays. His tank and his work work rate up the ground is far better than Judson Clark's at the moment. I don't think Clark has got the tank to play the game style that we want to play to be getting up and running for finals and for a charge at the flag. So I do think that while I have been pretty vocal in in my, you know, Castagna bashing on gear several times, um, I do think right now he is probably the best fit. And I was a little shitty with um, Castagna getting the nod over, over Cumberland this week. But, again, Cumberland is a completely different player as well. So Cumberland is the third marking type, whereas Castagna is that player who runs up and patrols the wing and is often an outlet kick because say what you want about his kicking and his his finishing and his poly, you know polish and all that, but his overhead marking and his his hands and creativity are pretty solid for for a player of his limited, we'll say talent. So I think he he's a he's a workhorse when he patrols up and down, and I don't think that gets rewarded enough. But he he's definitely integral to the way that we want to play the football play football a lot of people in chat throwing around sydney stacks name as well it was another possible option to maybe play that castagna role obviously didn't make the cut after being named in the extended team last week i think i think stacky did okay again in the vfl this week but where, where do we see stacky is he does he force his way in somehow how many more weeks he beat of good footy does stacky need to to get a crack depends what you hear around the tracks isn't it With sydney yeah. Like, <laughs> um, the reason George gets in is because George has a superior work rate and a superior attitude. Yeah. Full stop. Sydney's yeah. got ten times the talent of George, but George has the work rate, the energy, and the want more so than the other young man, which is unfortunate because Sydney's got Stack, yeah. all the talent in the world. <clears throat> Stack reminds me so much of Daniel Connors. Has so much talent, but just up here, he's just not there that where he needs to be. And I think I think with with Stack, he had an okay game at VFL level. It wasn't great, and I think that's where he needs to start stepping up because he's, he's one of these players that when he has a really good game at VFL level, he generally doesn't tend to kick on. He'll have an outstanding game like he did. Um, not last week, but the week before against Geelong. But this week, his performance dipped. And I, I think that's the issue with him where if he has a good game, he expects to get selected. And when he doesn't, it sort of, it appears like it impacts him. And so his his work rate and his attitude just seem to drop and it translates to the football field. So with Stack, I think he's got all the talent in the world, but I generally, like at this point, I don't think he's got the professionalism or the the mentality to, to be a long-term AFL player. And, and I, I don't subscribe to the shit that you read occasionally. Like, oh, I just bet if he goes to another club, he will go blah, blah, blah. Mate, if you can't make it at Richmond right now with the resources and the star power and the coaching that we have around, plus all the indigenous things, like, you got to get your yeah. hand off it. Whoever's saying that, get your hand off it. You reckon you're going to go to yep. West Coast with the discipline problems they've got and become a superstar, do you? Like, come on. No. Hopefully you can piece it together. And Sonzi was another one. Not to play the Castagna role, but um, he's looking good. I, I really, really like that pick. 
Yeah, I'll get his stats up from the weekend, Sonzi, because I've got an. Well, yes. Can I just talk about a couple, one or two stats? Yeah. Right. Our, our turn. Our turnovers on the weekend looked terrible because we were going forward so hard. Right. As a team, we went at seventy-eight percent disposal efficiency. Out of the twenty-two players on the park, seventeen went above seventy-five percent. They're really good numbers. So if we use that as a base. Um, we're not always going to be super attacking against the great sides, but if you've got that level of disposal efficiency spread across your team, you're not going to lose too many matches. Yeah, that's a, so, a really high number. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. So on stack, stack had 15, kicked one, no tackles, and the no tackles is going to be the stat that I think Dimmer and everyone is focusing on for in terms of him to get selected. I think that's going to be, like, it's just going to highlight his work rate. Sonzi had 27. He had uh, one and one free for it. doesn't give me clearances or anything, but, yeah, 20, 27, and he had five marks. More kicks than handballs, which is nice to see because the last few weeks he's tended to handball a little bit more. But I definitely think um, that he's definitely going to, like, continue that performance he's had quite a few um quite a few games where he's had mid-teens 13 14 15 disposals where he sort of struggled to adjust after his start but definitely um yeah i think sonzi if he can play two or three more games at the standard that he played on the weekend um uh, could find himself in line for for a sort of late season debut uh, yeah, it's interesting to see if we do any more debuts as the season draws nearer to an end. So I, I tend to agree with what you guys sort of said earlier, but we're going to play the known quantities as much as we can from now on, maybe with the exception of Gibkiss because he's been in in amongst it from the start and he's got more of an understanding. But even then, when Bolter comes back, I wouldn't be shocked if he had another bit of a break just to freshen up as well. Um, he, he looks a little bit cooked and, you know, he, he's going to be a super player. Um, but yeah, he just needs a little bit of a freshen up as we get on with it. And, uh, and he'll be back. So, CB, did you have a bloodbath? Yeah, I, I wasn't happy with it. Scrap it. It was a bit shit. Didn't like it. Was it. A bit shit. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, was there any other key stats you wanted to flag anyone before we push on to the Gold Coast game? Oh, um, when we go talk about the tackling before uh, and how yeah, we missed a few tackles, the tackle numbers were low. For pressure acts, Richmond had the top five players on the ground. Just a little something there. Morris Rioli Jr., 28. Oh. Graham, 25. Baker, 22. Ross, 20. And Pickett, 19. Ross was pretty serviceable, I thought. He can stay. Yeah. 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 Uh, because he's playing his right role. Yeah. And he, he's doing it very well. So, it's, yeah, yeah we, we can't knock him out for that. Yeah. Can, can I just give a give a quick shout out to to MJ? Like, how fantastic was his defensive effort on that half forward flank in the third quarter? Had five or six repeat efforts to pressure the ball that ended up in a turnover that caused a goal where they should have had an easy outlet. That was just fantastic. It was actually highlighted on on the bounce for defensive play of the week, I believe. So yeah, just just fantastic. Like he's he's one of these players where he doesn't need the 15, 20 possessions to impact the game. 
he's more effective without the ball, in my opinion, than he is with it. And he's no slouch with the ball. Like his decision making with the ball and his his goal kicking in particular, dead eye. But the stuff without the ball, just fantastic. And also, how good is it? We won a free kick count. Another one. <laughs> yeah, if we won a free kick count again against West Coast too. Jeez. Yeah, the uh, the other big negative to come from the game is Vlosten with his brain fade. Um, look, I think it was a gut punch from the footage that I've seen, but it's been graded uh, as high, which means he is copping a week as it stands now. And I, I'm not sounds bad. I'm not totally against it because he's got a little bit of a habit of doing things like that. Like there was honestly no point or anything to gain from him doing that. The West Coast player went for a lead. Stop still, no argy-bargy, and then just went up to him and hit him. And like I tweeted, that that action could go horribly wrong, get him a bit higher, and then you will get a week, which has ended up what's happened anyway. Just no need for it. Gave him an easy goal in, in a time where percentage is key. Um, it's Yeah, I, I know we talked about a while ago, the undisciplined acts and cleaning that up, and it looked like we've done it for a lot of the game, but then you see things like that, which is just extremely frustrating. Yeah, and actually Dimmer on 360, as a couple of people said, they're going to challenge, which is great. But he also did say that since the buy that we've actually been training to cut down on being silly and we are actually trying to address, because they made a bit of a joke about winning the free kick count and Dimmer said it was so good he got in the circle and sang the song. Um, but we've won, I think, Four, three or four out of the last four or five. We've actually won a, a few free kick counts lately. And he actually stated that it's something we are looking at. But Floston, I always thought he would be our captain, but he just keeps doing dumb shit. And whether or not it's suspension worthy, he just keeps doing dumb shit. I don't know why. The, the one thing that really annoys me with that that grading is the high impact. Like, you you have a look. It was a gut punch. So, yeah, it was intentional. The AFL and the MRO have come out and said any off-the-ball strikes will be classed as intentional. So we can't argue that. So that, that that's, it's in black and white. This is what it's going to be graded as. So for Flossen to do that, I think, was, a, again, was just stupid. There was no need to do it. But... That's what they call that high impact. That's one step below what Stuart got for knocking out Prestia. And those two things don't compute to me. How can that be one less step down from from knocking a bloke out? Like, there's no way that that was high, high impact. That should be medium at most. He doubled over. It wasn't high. He didn't go off the ground or anything. That should be medium at most. And I think that's what we'll challenge. I think we'll challenge the... Um, um- I think if it wasn't if it wasn't gut, it was chest. It, it wasn't any higher than chest, or no. it wasn't definitely not from what, not from the vision I saw anyway. So I go, Joe. No, I was saying I, I thought it was medium or low impact, but I think they've graded it high contact. Well, I thought it was the other way around. Oh, yeah. I was just trying to quickly scan on Twitter and see if I could find it. But to be fair, with the MRO like last week with their media statements where one came out for Stuart saying it was intentional and they released another statement five minutes later saying that it was um, careless, who knows what it is. That's just confirmation of Richmond stitch-ups. That's all that is. I'm starting to sound like Tiggs yeah. should stop. <laughs> Conspiracy! <laughs> <laughs> 
No. It, uh, that, that was weird, that double release. That was weird. <laughs> so we're going to appeal that. We'll see how we go there. He's an important player as well, which is the annoying part. When, yeah. you know, we sort of heavily rely on him to organise things structurally down back. But, you know, if you're going to do silly things like that, you've got to live with the consequences, unfortunately. We'll, uh, we'll take a look at the upcoming game now, CB. Gold Coast uh, coming off a, a narrow loss against the Pies by five points. We, we really wanted them to do us a favour there and knock off the Maggies. They were so close. But uh, they're looking a lot better this year, CB, I think. Their, their form's improved. Um, they're showing a bit more consistency in their game. Our mate Marbs is tearing it up over there. And, you know, full respect to him for playing the way he's playing. Uh, we could have, you know, would have been good if we held on to him. But... What do you make of the Suns and, and how are we going to get over them this week? They're a very good football team. There's no doubt. They're um, they're playing very good football. Ainsworth, Ainsworth, that hurts them. Um, no doubt about it. But can I just say how many times, how many montages are we going to see this week of Carmichael Hunt kicking that goal and that um, was it Collins punching the post in the rematch with Lynch, I'm telling you, just strap yourselves in, guys. They're going to go to that for whatever reasons, what Channel 7 and those dickheads do. Um, I think, like, Wits, the actual ruck is, like, we had a hard one against um, Nick Nat, but Wits is nearly, he's like a top three, top four ruckman in the comp at the moment. So he's, he's going to service Miller and those guys pretty darn well. So we've got a really, really hard game coming up in the middle. We know their wings are good. Else, Brandon Else, Premiership wingman, mate, can play. Um, <clears throat> but it's really uh, Miller and those guys around the ball. We're going to have to watch them. Um, hopefully, Prestia is an inclusion. Um, I think with Dusty going out, Lambert has to come in. So it'll be interesting to see where, how we use the sub there. Um, I still think we need to go in with two rucks. I think the one drama that I can see now that they, they lost one of their defenders again over, over the weekend with a you know, poor young fellow who's out for the year, which is terrible, terrible news for the Gold Coast. It's a bit like that game a couple of weeks ago. I think defensively, offensively, we can stretch their defense. And I think that's where if we can get that quick ball movement in, that's, that's where the game can be won for us, I believe. But we've got to really try and break even with that midfield against theirs because they do move the ball very, very quickly, very rapidly. And if you look at some of the KPIs on Gold Coast, they're in the top echelon now of um, the top eight in a, in a few KPIs. So do not take this game lightly. This won't be easy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it definitely won't be Grock. And to, to CB's point with their midfielders, you've got Noah Anderson, Matt Rowe, Tuke Miller, David Swallow, um, Alice when he goes through there. They've got some very, very classy movers around the ball. They do, but the thing is, outside of Raoul, they're not very solid, big-bodied. And I think that's generally when we do tend to match teams in the middle is when they're not so much physically bigger than us. I mean, Raoul for, for a 20, 21-year-old is massive. Like, he is jacked. But Miller himself is not, not the you know, the most physically intimidating person and neither is Anderson, even though he's got some height, but frame-wise, they're not as physically strong as sort of, you know, the the Cats midfield and even, you know, Redden and Yowie and things like that. So their, their midfield is probably their biggest strength. 
but it's not something that generally worries me um, if we do get our defensive transitions right. AJ, what's your take on the game, mate? Where are we how are we going to win this one? Um, I think uh, our ball movement and our structure will see us win the game. I think we we defensively we might struggle a little bit with the outs that we've got. Uh, due to stupidity, etc. Um, but we've been scoring too heavily. I don't think if we get to a hundred, <laughs> which I think we will, I don't think Gold Coast can score a hundred against us. Okay, so, so you reckon it's gone? So it's just the the age old that just our capacity and our firepower up for just could be too much for them to weather, and our ability to get it down to them. So, so looking yeah. at their back line, who, who was the defender you said got injured, CB? I'm looking at their lineup from last week. So they've got Collins and Ballard. They were probably going to have to try and mind uh, Lynch and Rewalt. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't think of the young fellow's name, but there was a bad bad leg injury, I think. Ainsworth hurt his ankle in the in the Moore clash, but there was another incident with another young fellow as well for the Suns. So that, that they've lost two from last weekend. And a lot of people rightly so flagging Rankin and his influence on games. He, he yeah. is a very, very good player. Um, I think Dan Rioli sounds is the logical choice to, to look after him if if we're running with Baker in the midfield. Uh, but someone put yeah. out there the Mansell coming in to look after him. I wouldn't be against that either if, if the need was there to do so. But I think initially, EJ, I would be happy for Rioli to have first crack. Yeah, because two reasons. He's definitely good enough to go with him. But hurt also, him. we all Rioli's going to hurt him the other way, and it makes him accountable. And I will give credit to Reckon. He has been a lot more accountable this year. But this is next level accountable, having to chase Rioli down to the forward line. He has to follow him the whole way. Otherwise, Rioli will hurt. So, yeah, I think it's a good matchup. And it'll be fun to watch too. Yeah. Like for, for me, the lineups are going to be interesting because if Bolter is back this week, which people are saying that he's every chance, I think Grimes takes Rankin because they only have the two tools. They've only got Chol and they've got Casbolt. The rest of them are, are mid-sized or below. So I think if Bolter comes back, Bolter takes Chol. I think Tarrant takes Casbolt, and that leaves that leaves um, Grimes. I think on on Rankin. I think he's got the the size. Yeah. To match him in the air, but he's also got that that sort of nimble athleticism on the ground to match him on the ground, or at least try and limit him. So yeah, I, I definitely I think it's either going to be Rioli or it's going to be Grimes, and then Broad to take either Roses or um, or Holman. I think so. Um, yeah, with Vlossen out though, will we get Grimes to be playing the spare? I think Broad I take, plays the spare. Yeah. Yeah. And we've we've got Gibkiss too. Don't forget. I think I think like if he doesn't get dropped this week, I think he takes that sort of floating intercept role that that Floston fills, and then we bring some Mansell in to play another sort of rebounding attacking halfback. Can, can I just say so one you, thing? You, you don't reckon that Bolter's playing this week? If you've got the uh, inside word, that'd I, be a bummer. I'll just say this too on Gibkiss. I know we, we were sort of like he had that his game wasn't the best on the weekend. But I think it's wonderful that Damien Hardwick is sticking with this kid and putting him on the gorillas. He's played on, you know, he had Darling on the weekend. He's had to play on Buddy Franklin. The education this kid is getting will set us up for the next decade 
with him and Bolter in key defensive posts. So um, could not be happy for this kid and the way that Damien Hardwick is playing on him and backing him in. It's been fantastic. Well, I agree. And as, as I posted on, on the board, he had a dirty quarter. It was the third quarter where everything went wrong for him. And if you take away that third quarter, he had an okay game playing on someone far more experienced than him. <clears throat> The fourth quarter, I thought, was a lot better from Gibkiss. He really managed to step up and got his defensive positioning and stuff right. The only thing with, with his fourth quarter was where he double-fisted the ball over the boundary line where he could have easily marked. I think the third quarter, with, with those dodgy kicks and getting out-positioned a couple of times, just hampered his confidence a little bit. Because normally he would he would back himself and take that intercept. But I think I think that spoil was just a sign that maybe he was a little bit in his head. But the thing that for me is he's got that competitive spirit. He's very much like Rance. He hates losing a contest. You can see it in his body language and everything. And we need to have a look. For for Gibkiss, his worst games are 10 times better than Rance's games when he in his first and second yeah. years. Rance, like, was all at sea. And I don't think he's had any, in his first three or four years, Rance had anywhere near as good games as Gibkiss has had in his first season. And I think that speaks volumes to the quality of the kid that Gibkiss is right now and how good he's going to be down the line. And, and keep in mind too, Tarrant, Tarrant is now finally, like his last month of football has been excellent for us as well. So he's finally getting the Richmond system. It looks like he's finally understanding the system and he's playing his role now, isn't he? He's played some really good footy. So that helps I as think, well. I, yeah. I think he's starting to understand that at AFL level, you can't give as much space to your opponent as you did at, at, you know, under 18 level because a lot of them, they're a lot bigger, they're a lot stronger, they're a lot more experienced and they're a lot better overhead than 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. So I definitely think that that's been something that he's he's had to adjust. And I, I, I have seen it over the last couple of weeks where he's starting a lot closer to his opponent at stoppages. He's not giving them as much leg rope as this new massive football terms coming in with vocabulary. So he's definitely, I think he's definitely been made aware that, Hey, you know, you need to be a lot closer with your starting position because again, with his athleticism and his ability to get a fist in, if he can make a contest, he usually some, he usually influences it. It's just when he gets lost on the lead that he gets exposed. Yeah. Yeah. As, but, as Nick said, as Nick said, uh, uh, he's surrounded by 600 games of experience. So it's a real fast track for him. Rance didn't absolutely. have that. The other thing is, yeah is, yes, Gibkiss has made some mistakes, especially on the weekend, that dirty quarter. But what I love about the kid is he's got the mentality that he still tries to make the right decision and to pull it off. Even after, he's not, He hasn't gone back into his shell after making a mistake. That yeah. speaks to the mentality of the kid as much as anything. Yeah. And how good was his goal? One step, 55, just bang. Brilliant. Uh, now, EJ, we've got, looking at their big forwards, we've got Marby Troll, Levi Casbolt, who, you know, they're in pretty good form in their own respective rights. Um, is there, if Gibkiss, if we feel Gibkiss is a bit tired and sort of maybe needs a bit of a rest, is there scope for Miller to come in and play a role given he's a bit more of a bigger size, a bit more experienced? Um, this is assuming that Bolter doesn't play. Is there scope for Miller to potentially be a, a swap for Gibkiss to help match up on Casbolt and Troll? Or do you bring Miller in to replace Vlosten and Gibkiss floats so there's room for both of them inside? 
Fair um, call. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, I think we, we know that Casbolt is Tarrant. That's that's a no-brainer. Um, if Boulder plays, Chole gets him. Uh, if Boulder plays, he gets Chole. If Miller comes in for Vlosten and Boulder doesn't come in, so Gibkus retains his spot, Miller can go to Chole and Gibkus can float. I wouldn't mind that, actually, because Gibkiss obviously was a, an elite intercept marker in his junior levels, and it was one of the reasons why he's highly, so highly touted. Yeah. I think I confused myself. It took me a while to spit it out, but I knew what I wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think weather's going to play play a factor as well. It's supposed to be – I just looked as I saw the comments from Glenn and everything. It's, it, right now it's forecast to be 22 and sunny, so it's going to be a perfect day for football, I think. So I, I do think that – if that's the case, clearances are probably going to be a little bit of an issue that we might need to tighten up. If it's a good game, clear conditions, Gold Coast's forward transitions are, are pretty good. They're not a team that generally bombs long. They usually try and hit up that leading forward, whether it's Chol or Anderson when he when he floats forward. Um, so I do think we need to bring in some defensive, some another defensive structure to sort of stand in that that hole about thirty five out, so they can't lead into it. Um, if Miller comes in, I think I think Miller will probably have a decent game. But I do like that that thought of having um, Miller in, having Gibkiss as that that floating for because Gibkiss again he's got some athleticism and some pace. So there's no reason that he can't do what Floston does, where he takes that intercept and can offer can sometimes offer rebound as well. So I, I'd, I'd probably go Gibkiss. Uh, I'd probably go Miller in as well. CB, so, your thoughts on Miller? I don't know, just you know, surprise me, Richmond. Surprise me. Um, yeah, I'll say this though, too. People, there's been a couple of comments about Mansell. Uh, Mansell copped a knock late into VFL and was getting some treatment, so I don't know how he's pulled up from that. Yeah, he's a little ginger, yeah, yeah. But no, look, you mentioned like CB said, about the, the two rucks. Is there any concern about the output of Soldo while running with this two rucks, or do you think it's just become an integral part of our setup and the way we play the game? Well, Harwick has openly stated he likes two rucks. He likes the two ruck setup, so um, every chance he gets, he's going to play him. But Nancurvis historically has always struggled against the bigger ruckman that can jump over him. So I think in this case, Wits is a giant. Um, it would make. In point of fact, if I'd actually start Soldo as first ruck this weekend, yep. I'd actually have Soldo opening ruck against Wits to at least break even to stop any type of momentum. And then, you know, when that second string comes in, let Nankervis come and absolutely dominate is probably how I would look at it. But I think we do need to roll with two this weekend. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Soldo with, with the height and, and Wits ability um, around the ground, I do think that Soldo is probably a better matchup for him. I reckon it's probably at least should be 60-40 solo Nank. The only issue is, like, where's Nank going to play? That's yeah, the exactly. only issue. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting juggling act. I think it makes sense, though, to have Soldo take the first the first ruck, just to, like you said, halve the contest at least and give ourselves you know a little bit of a chance. Cause, yeah, because Wits right now is actually ranked the number one ruckman in the competition in terms of impact on games and everything from champion data. So yeah. it's going to be a big test for, for our rucks. 
What about the the wing matchup that's going to happen, fellas? Like obviously, Brandon Nellis, as you said, CB, a premiership wingman. Um, you know, we love him and what he did for our club and how well he's going over at Gold Coast. But he's going to have to go head-to-head with Marlon Pickett, who is just an animal and in, is in beast mode at the moment. How do we see that matchup going? Pickett's not going to take a backward step on this one. Is it? Oh, oh. Ellis is an aerobic beast. Absolute aerobic beast. I'd actually have McIntosh on him to shut him down. Take the right. Yeah. I'd actually, I'd actually, I'd, I'd have McIntosh on Ellis and have um, Marlon on the other wing. Is how I'd roll. Because Ellis, I agree. He, he can, he can, he can cover some distance, Brandon. So yeah, we need someone who can yeah. run with him. And the, yeah. The the thing with Ellis is we we've seen it. Gold Coast has seen it. He's how shall we put this politely? He's averse to physical contact. And our wingmen are very physical. They love taking the body. They love getting physical with them. So, yeah, I definitely think our, our wings will probably rough Brandon up around the contest because when that happens, we know that he's generally not too great and gets fumbly and, and panics. So, yeah, I definitely think that they'll probably rotate. I think that I think McIntosh will probably start on him. But I would pick it or play on him at times and really get into him and niggle him and things like that. So Alice really generally doesn't worry me too much when we play them. I like that point, Travis. That's a good That's point, a good Travis. Point, Travis. Uh, Brandon Alice will have to shut our wings down. It's his problem, not ours. Fair call. Fair call, yep. Travis. All right. So what other ins? So we don't think Cochin is going to come back, but he might be another week away. Prestia. Lambert, I think I agree, has to come straight back in. If he's fit to play, he's better off playing now that Dusty's out. Um, who's gonna, is Ross going to be the unlucky one? He could be the sub. I don't think he should be the sub, though. Yeah, but I, don't, I mean, you look at... I mean, so if you've got Bolter, Prestia, Lambert, just say that's it. Two out of already of Loston and Martin. So does Gibkes come out for Bolter? It could be a bit simpler than we think. Yeah, selections will be interesting. Yeah, it sort of it sort of makes it difficult because um, Edwards had a had a pretty solid game. I think that's his best game for the year, and I think that's the role that he should be playing going forward now, where he's playing more of that forward half um, play that half the sort of half forward small forward role i don't think he's he's got the capability now to be that long-term game time midfielder i think the game's sort of gone past him in that regard so i think if he had another poor game i wouldn't have been surprised if prestia came in for edwards but after after the game i don't, I don't think you can drop him in uh drop him after that but <clears throat> looking at the lineups from the game there's really it's going to be tough because he got um Lambert, Hugo had a pretty solid game, especially okay. in the first half. And I think if we're going to be serious, and I, I know if we're going to be serious, it's going to be stiff, but I'd keep Ross in the side over over Ralph Smith at the moment if we're going to bring Prestia in. Mm-hmm. I do think that I do mm-hmm. think that with with Rioli, Pickett, and McIntosh patrolling that wing and drive, I do think Mac. Um, Ralph Smith's probably the expendable one. Um, I don't want to see Ross dropped, especially after last week's game. He had a bit of a down week this week in comparison, but I do think that he's probably more integral to our structure right now than what, what Ralph Smith is. Can I just um, say, moving forward, 
and it's probably something we'll ask the audience. Um, I think moving forward, if we've got a pretty good run with injuries, I reckon Lambert is the ideal super sub. But he's got a knack at hip, and all he's got to do is just get through half a game of footy occasionally. Um, I'd be more than comfortable to see Lambert just wear that vest permanently and just come on um, when a dusty or someone goes down. Um, I reckon that could be the way to get him through the rest of the season. Yeah, because what I will say for this week, I want Lambert playing from the start. I saw. Well, we don't need him against North. You got to play the two week game with um, with him in this one. Get him through this round. Give him the North game off because ah, that's exactly what I was going to say. North that's exactly out. what I was going to say. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and then after the North game, back up, back on the subs as the thing. I think the North yep. game is where he can just, he can have that full week off, and yep. then I agree. Like, it's getting to the stage with Lambert now where if he plays a full game, he's gonna need that full week off to rest. So having him as the sub where he might only play thirty five minutes of game time, I definitely think that's gonna definitely benefit us in the long run. Yeah. Wow, well, right, everyone agreeing together, it's scary shit. Let's get uh, a margin for this one and a tip as well. So, EJ, who's going to win this one and by how much? Um, do we want to do our votes for the week as well? Are we for the are we doing votes oh, for the previous game or not? Yeah, for the for the West Coast game. Oh yes, yeah, you can do that. We'll, we'll do those and then do your prediction straight after. Yep, uh, three picket, two Rioli, one Broad. Uh, we will beat. The Chol Coast by 23 points. 23 points. We'll take that every day of the week, Grok. Yeah, my votes are the same as EJ's. Pick at three, Rioli two, Broad one. Um, and yeah, I reckon Richmond by 40 points. I think it's going to be a solid win. CB? Mate, what's going on with us? I'm locking in with EJ and Grok on the votes. <laughs> Agree. I thought um, the only one I thought was... I really wanted to give Dustin Martin one vote just for his first half because it was <laughs> awesome. But unfortunately, Brody over four quarters was just well, everybody knows Brody's my boy, no one else is so uh I'm giving him a vote. <laughs> and um I think we're gonna win by about fourteen points. I think it's gonna be a very, very tough encounter. This one. Yeah. They're gonna absolutely make it. Yeah. They're going, to, so, they're going to bring – because their season's still on the line here, so they are going to have a red-hot crack. Yeah. Ba Baker was the one who was stiff with my votes. I thought he had another ripping game. Yep. yep. He was quite the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, I reckon we'll win by 19 points this week. But, again, it's just been – it's going to be a really tough game up there. We just need to get the four points and just keep ticking them off. So – we're still holding EJ accountable for his comments from the other week. Uh, that if we, <laughs> the top top four is still on the cards, but th there's merit to it though because you look at the results around us. Teams are losing that we maybe didn't pencil them down to, to have a loss. If so we had won that, yeah. If we had won that Geelong game, we were we were right there. Yeah, the Geelong and the Geelong and the Sydney yeah. games. If we had a won, we would have been equal on points with second. Yeah, yep. we would have been so, one game but, behind Melbourne in first, and it, that's where I think the early season games against the, you know Carlton and St. stuff where we faded out Adelaide yep. will cost us in the long run. But well, it also shows us we're in pretty good. We're in pretty good nick. Yeah, yeah. we are. We're, but, we're starting to play familiar football again, which is nice and a, a bit of a 
a warning sign for the rest of the comp and other results are going our way, which is, has happened in previous years. I think just, I tweeted it. Saints look very familiar all of a sudden. Just, it's, just, it's good because it means fate's in our own hands. We just have to keep yeah. winning so we can control just, that. Just a couple of chokes on the weekend that we needed. Obviously, Port, uh, we needed Port to knock off Frio, but like... How did Robbie Gray and Todd Marshall miss those set shots? I'll never know. And we needed Gold Coast to hang on against Collingwood. And oh, no, no, we can't get them all. Can't get them all. That's right. We'll just keep yeah. worrying about winning our games and uh, hopefully the rest takes care yeah. of itself. So uh, the game is on Saturday, 4.35 at Metricon. Uh, we do have a very good supporter base up in Queensland, so I've got no doubt there'll be a very strong Tiger army out there at Metricon supporting the boys. Um, so make sure you do get out there in a nice and loud and uh, the rest of us will be watching at home, cheering just as loud at our TVs. So thank you so much for joining us tonight, guys. Much appreciated. Welcome back for your episode, CB. Thank you for coming on, mate. <laughs> hope to see you again soon. Uh, and EJ and Grok, a pleasure as always to have you gentlemen on. Uh, thank you to everyone for tuning in. And hopefully we are back on Monday after another four points as we keep marching on towards, fingers crossed, finals. And Trelgan Tiger, Absolutely. we're going to smoke Moe on the weekend, mate. You know what I'm talking about. You've been warned. <laughs> okay. What's fine? Right. Until next time, guys. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs>